Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here today with Aaron Richards hey, and Brad Pierron. Yes, sir. And our guest, Father Gabriel Woo! Emmanuel from right the yeah. Come on, come on. Yes. All right, so before the episode, you were making some weird noises with your mouth. Can we just, <laughs> can we, can we start with that? I, feel I like don't that's know what you're talking about. Impressive. When I was growing up. Yes. Eighth grade. Yeah. The biggest dance song was Sandstorm. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> I was number seven of eight, so I had to yeah. I had to find my way. Yeah, you I found your niche. You found, found how niche. Okay, so it was more about like as, as a child. I was wondering if it was like you were baptized in the Holy Spirit instead of speaking in tongues, you just started making like noises. I can claim that. That would be, that would be yeah. a new game. Yeah, when the CFRs get baptized in the Spirit, they start beatboxing. <laughs> there are as many gifts as there are individuals. Yes, that's in the real. Kingdom. That's it's amazing. Possible. Okay, so if you're new to our podcast, this is a show where encounter meets mission, like St. Paul who encountered uh, Jesus on the road to Damascus mm-hmm. and then was propelled to mission. We have to be mm-hmm. missionary disciples who encounter the living God, but we don't stop there. We are driven to a life of full-time mission for the gospel. So this is going to be an incredible time. Father Gabriel's here with us. We're going to have a lot of fun. Brad, do you want to open us in prayer? Yeah, I can. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm, amen. amen. Lord, thank you for the gift that it is to be called missionary disciples. Thank you for the gift of mission, for all the ways that you send us out on your behalf to represent you in the world. And God, today, as we're speaking about this topic that's near and dear to your heart, this topic of mission, we pray that you would make us more like you as we listen to the wisdom shared here today. As we become more like you, help us to live more focused on the other so that we can bring all people back to you in the fullness of time. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, Father, why don't you just start us with like sharing a little bit about if people don't know who the CFRs are, like what do you guys do and who you who are you as a community? What do we do? We're not Star Wars. We don't do Jedi. Oh, yeah. You you just make noises with your mouth. We do make special noises. We do make special noises. So, Franciscan Friars of Renewal began in 1987. Eight Capuchin Friars who left the Capuchins and felt a call to begin again, back to basics, um, very close with Cardinal Connor, and uh, were given a friary and a closed church in the Bronx, and they just started by throwing out the air conditioners and stripping the rugs, and okay, how do we serve the poor? How do we play, pray as brothers? How do we live as brothers? And just back to the gospel, back to the basics. So mm. you got a place with air condition and you threw the air condition and we away. Threw the yes. That was the first move. Yes, that, that is the first so move. Franciscan. I like it. Okay. That's awesome. And why the Bronx? Like, was that just because that's who would invite you or was there a specific call to the Bronx? I, I Yeah, I think in the providence of the Father it gave us the flavor. You know, I, I think it was the only church that was, that was, um, closed that was in a poor neighborhood mm-hmm. and that was one of our you know the brothers were looking for when they began being in a closed it was, back then it was Fort Apache it was pretty pretty rough um, so but it, it gave us the flavor it gave mm-hmm. us the flavor like, even even in um, France where les frères de Bronx you know it's like <laughs> the brothers from the Bronx yeah and, um, and it gave us this um, it, at, just as St. Francis when he repaired the Portiuncula or the angels 
It was right next to our leprosarium. He was always maintaining close contact with the poor. Uh, for us, staying in close neighborhoods is, and poor neighborhoods is very, very important for us. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And I love how you wear the CFR habit and you're part of that community, but also, mm-hmm. like, who are you as a person? Like, how did how did you encounter the living God and how did Jesus capture your heart? Uh, I think I had a good I had a good foundation growing up. Seven of eight kids. Uh, my older brother was is a priest now. He was already religious when I was in high school. Uh, college, the game changer was my first retreat with a group called the um, Apostles of the Interior Life. Good, mm-hmm. good community sisters. I don't know if you've heard of them. Really focused on um, <clears throat> college students developing their interior life. And so Sister Susan was, uh, she could smell I was fresh. She knew. <laughs> she knew I was ready. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I look back and just how she pursued me uh, on that retreat. You want to go for a walk? Sure, sister. I had no idea what I was getting into. Should we go for an hour walk? We passed by the cemetery. Look at that. Time is pretty short, huh? I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good technique. Oh, I haven't tried technique. that one. I'm writing down notes for missionary yeah, recruiting. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> she knew exactly what she was doing. Yeah. Exactly what she was doing. <laughs> anyway, so we're walking and she just challenged me, like, have you do you know God's plan for your life? No, sister. And have you ever talked with a spiritual director? Do you have daily prayer? Do you have when's the last time you've gone to confession? I went last semester, sister. That's fine. You should go every month. Oh. Okay, sister. You know, like <laughs> uh-huh. just this clarity and this really um, real tenderness, which she pursued me and invited me into this relationship to pursue with the Lord, that it's not just this thing I do on Sunday. But um, mm-hmm. so that was, I would say, that retreat plus a good community of uh, friends at Notre Dame there and um, changed everything. Mm-hmm. Really changed everything. It's amazing. I love that. The the way you describe Sister Susan, because I feel like sometimes our mm-hmm. our uh, conversations with people when we're like leading them in discipleship is a little reactive as opposed to preactive, mm-hmm. proactive, where it's like kind of like, hey, how are you doing? And you just kind of react to what the person throws out there. But it sounds like she's like, mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> like, do you yeah. know God's plan for your life? Like, that's pretty yeah. proactive. That's a bold statement. Very bold. Yeah, Very yeah. Bold. I love that. <laughs> Brad, what do you do when, you, when you're like walking with someone? Yeah. You don't take them to a graveyard. We don't what, go by what's the cemetery. Your, what's your approach? No, I... Uh, <laughs> I, I, well, there's a couple of different things. I think uh, as as I'm thinking about approach, one thing that I think is amazing is um, that Father Gabriel is bringing up when it comes to CFRs and about his um, life individually is that you have to meet a person where they're at, right? Like you have to, like at, at a college campus, right? There's people that have a way of life at a college campus and you engage them in what they're doing then. That's what I love about the CFRs is they actually committed to the Bronx, right? They started living life in the Bronx and that actually from there provided their call because they were living life to the full where the father had them then. So the first thing I try to do when I'm getting together with college students is to really ask what they're doing. Like, how are you getting involved on your campus? Like, are you involved in Bible studies here? What's discipleship look like? Like, do you have a small group that you're meeting with regularly? Like, what's your life look like in that? And and if they're not investing there yet, encouraging them to invest there, because as they begin investing there, that missionary heart will begin developing, right? Like if I'm investing in the student center at my campus, I start to see areas of need and I'm like, wait, I have a gift for that area of need. And then I start filling that need. And so I think there's this importance 
um, whenever we're actually proactively seeking someone out. And when we see the gold in someone, we see what they could be seeing where they're at and what they can start doing now to move them forward to that. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, like going by a cemetery is one way to do that, right? <laughs> of like, right. Hey, it looks to me like you're a young man who uh, is probably thinking a lot about right now. <laughs> and there's a life to live that will eventually end, you know, like there's different ways for different people. But for me, it's engaging, it's engaging, especially young men, young women as well in the campuses and in the schools that they're in and seeing what they're doing, how they could be investing more there. And from that place of investing more, the Lord will reveal yep. more to them. I love that. Aaron, I you're usually, pretty I, intentional. I usually just create a little competition. Mm. I'm, I'm thinking about how do I, how do I orient people toward, toward greater investment? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that I like to communicate either directly or indirectly that <laughs> oh, no. I, or I love, I, it's easier for me to love someone the harder they work. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that I think that that usually that usually works well, especially for like a group of people who who wants to be loved by me. Like, oh, well, if I want to, I want to be hard. engaged. Then I gotta get my butt in gear. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, right, right. But, but I don't want those ones here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> don't love me, leave. No. no, that's awesome. Yeah, the so this is a work. Actually, this is a really fun time because mm -hmm. right. Uh, missionaries around our campus. And right now we're yeah, at our yeah. Equip conference, which is, we have how many missionaries do we have present this week? Is 240. Like 240. 240. 240 missionaries for, and we're like preparing them and ready to launch them yeah. into a summer of mission. So it's been mm -hmm. a pretty fun conference. What's mm -hmm. been your favorite part here? I have loved the opportunity to be a part of our worship team. Oh yeah. Um, our, our times of worship this week have just been totally off the hook. Mm -hmm. Uh, both in liturgy and in our in our times of prayer with small group and and music and the singing uh, as a community, it's it's just been a, a beautiful a beautiful opportunity to engage in community through prayer. Nice, that's amazing. Yeah, I've been really just inspired. Like even like we've we've been doing this thing for a few years now, and it's mm -hmm. like no matter what the the Lord's making all teachings new, and there's like this refreshing spirit where it's like oh well we've we've actually covered this before. Mm -hmm. And yet there's, it's like, he's taking us into new depths. And yep. I feel like we're, uh, the, it's just like deeper and deeper and deeper. That whole idea, the Lord's calling us further in, further in, put out into deep mm -hmm. waters, which is yeah. really fun. It's, yeah. it's so easy to grow complacent with. It's like, Oh, I've heard this before. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, the Lord's actually as a community, yeah. I feel us moving deeper into his heart. And yeah. even with a fresh group, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the students we have here are here for the first time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they'll be serving as missionaries for the first time. And, uh, to see that, like, you know, the the content and formation that you're receiving this year, it's better than what mm -hmm. our crew received last year, right, right. <laughs> or the year before. Yeah, because because as we are growing as a community, like we're we're always able to offer the the best of what God's saying now. Um, which is which is really cool to see kind of <laughs> us grow. I love that. That's God give us a whole church. And that's mm -hmm. the reality, right? Well, that is the church, right? The church is ever ancient and ever new. So that as we still tie ourselves to all of those elementary principles, like what the CFRs were doing when they stepped out and said, we want to get back to these gospel basics. Yeah. These teachings that have shaped our community are basic to our way of life, yeah. but they're also being rediscovered every single year because as we go further with the Lord, he takes us back to those first principles and says, yeah, and there was also this aspect of that first principle. Yeah. And there was also this aspect of that first principle. Yeah. And it's like, it was always there. It was just, we focused on this aspect of it for a long time. And now, well, there's also this stream. 
in this stream that I was speaking out of that foundational yeah. principle. And when that starts flowing, then you start seeing more people come in because mm. they start seeing themselves in that way of life. They're like, oh, that's actually the facet that calls to my heart. Oh, that's actually the stream that I want to reside by, right? Yep. And then all yep. of a sudden you don't only have like the the normal first swath of people who felt called in the beginning, but now it's an entirely new thing with new skill sets, new temperaments, new gifts coming in. It's like the body of Christ is amazing. Yes, that would be, that would probably be the right, (laughs) the right response. (laughs) So you're kind of like the inside outsider, right? Like you're around all the time, but like you're, you're not like uh, a a Damascus missionary clearly. And so what's, what's been your experience of Equip so far? It's just a wonderful, it's so easy to be a father here. It's so easy to be a father here. And it's, um, I think the, um, the pressure is off because I don't have to do any talks. I preach most days. But otherwise, it's it's just being available, and you're eating lunch, and you're in a walk, and in that space, missionaries come up. Father, can you hear my confession? Father, are you available? Father, can we just talk? Father, can you pray? And it's it's so easy. They just draw it out of you. It's uh, it's so so life giving. Perpetual so, uh, invitation to <laughs> practice what you're best equipped Perpetual. for. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been a unique. I'm feeling a little bit, I was a little bit nervous coming in because last year we had Father John Ignatius, we had some heavy hitters, Father Jay, <laughs> Father Priest who were with her the whole week. This year it's like, it's just me. Yeah. But it's been this affirmation of um, of the gift of the priesthood because there are moments, oh, I'm the only one who can celebrate Mass. Oh, I'm the only one who can give this blessing. Oh, I'm the only one who, you know, it's like, I can only hear confessions. Okay, yeah. 250 missionaries. Get Let's up. go. Let's go. go. <laughs> Not going to sleep tonight. St. <laughs> John Vianney, pray for us. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Not, the, I was talking to a missionary earlier today, and he was uh, he was just sharing about this uh, moment. It was like four. It was like four years ago. I was at this conference, and as you were speaking, the Lord like put this like hunger and desire for mission in me. And he's like, I, I he's like, I was amazed because I grew up in the church, but I never heard anyone speak about mission. And it was so neat how he was speaking about just like he said that like something uh, clicked and mm-hmm. it, it, it started a life of mission for him. And I was just thinking about like that idea that we're all called to mission, but it's possible to go to mass week after week after week to, yeah. and almost do the Catholic thing with ever having that trigger inside of you click to give you a heart for the lost. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought today with father, because your guys' congregation so good at uh, seeking out the lost and spending time with the lost. Like Jesus, he says his mission mm-hmm. was, he says, like, I've come to seek and save the lost. And so maybe we can just spend some time today talking about like, yeah. how are we called to seek and mm-hmm. save the lost? And how maybe listeners, if this is your um, time in, if you've been living the faith, but you haven't had that moment where there's been this like something clicking inside of you to say, I want to seek the lost. Mm-hmm. I want to give my life for the sake of mission. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I think the Holy Spirit really wants to touch hearts today and actually transform lifestyles today. Yeah. And can we, and can we paint a picture just for what it means to be lost? Like we, as a people were Ooh. not made to be lost. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever been in like a big city and you see a, a, a child that's lost from their parents, oh, that's a but it's, it's, 
it's, yeah, it, it's so heavy on your heart because even when, you, even when you go into help, there's so much anxiety and chaos happening that your help can almost be a detriment at times because the, the state that they're in is so foreign to what they were supposed to experience, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I think that like to shape this conversation, something that was on my heart as we were going in is just like, we weren't made to be lost because when we're lost, our perspective is entirely different than as it should be. And so whenever we're thinking about going in to seek and to save what was lost, it's actually to bring things back into right order, right? They're like, when you see that young person that's separated from his or her parents, right? There's a lack of protection there, right? There, there's a, a, a natural inclination to begin having to fend for yourself. There's a, a, a beginning of distrust happening where who can I trust around me? Like, does that not sound familiar in our day-to-day walk with yeah. what we see in the world? That's really good. Right? Point. And so when we paint that picture, because I think sometimes we hear this idea from scripture, this idea from the radical saints of our church of let's go seek and save what was lost. And then we think to ourselves, well, yeah, but um, like, yeah, that, that's a really good calling card. And I, I think that th- they'll get found, right? But then when yeah. we look at like, no, that state of being lost yeah. is an urgent state. It's always an urgent state. When I see that little one, the first thing I want to do is give them back to their parents. I'm like, yeah. I, I would love if I could find them right now, yeah. right? And if we could carry that same heart mm. today as we introduce and kind of, yeah. I don't know, wrestle with this conversation, I think that'd be appropriate and good. I'm not sure if it's where the term originates in scripture, but yeah. I know that like Jesus also speaks that, um, I've come to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Like hmm. that, um, and and as as we're speaking, I'm 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 thinking that w- we talk about the the imagery of the shepherd and the sheep that Jesus speaks of in John chapter ten. Mm-hmm. That it, it, it's very much an affirmation of our identity. That when we see ourselves as sheep who are oriented to the Lord in such a way that we depend on and we are guided by, our identity is formed by His Word, right? That for for a sheep to be lost is uh, is really a, a scary place mm-hmm. because because it's a it's a separation of the identity. It's like the sheep and the shepherd they really can't be separated, uh, or else you know how ridiculous is a shepherd without sheep or a sheep mm-hmm. without without a shepherd? Mm-hmm. Um, and and like to to be lost really really implies that like there's a lot more going on than just you've chosen a different path. Mm-hmm. But there's actually Brad as you were mentioning like there's there's a whole there's a whole separation from my from my security and identity. Yep. It's interesting. I, I think it's funny how the Lord also equates finding the lost with joy so yeah. that yeah. there will be more joy in heaven over the one lost sheep that yeah. is found or the, the lost coin, right? That once that lost coin is found, you, uh, and I think it's, it's interesting because a, a mark of the CFR community, a mark mm-hmm. of our community mm-hmm. is, is just joy that yeah. when, yeah. I think when your heart is oriented towards seeking the lost authentically mm-hmm. In the Holy Spirit, you don't have hearts of despair, but you actually have hearts of joy because mm-hmm. you're you're pursuing those lost souls, and in your scene, yeah. salvation fall yeah. upon them. Well, and if, if you use the example of the little one, yeah, you take that little one, you give them back to their parents. What happens? You walk you're, away with a swagger. You're, you're, you're like, oh, so excited. <laughs> well, yeah. but then and then look at the kid. The kid never knew how much they loved their parents. Yeah. There's something in that moment that has them love their parents in a way that they mm. wouldn't even have loved them had they always been with them. Oh, happy fault, right? Yeah. Like th- when we bring them back, something happens to everyone involved. The parents are like, oh, like, you know, like the father's like, you're home. It's like, it's like the prodigal son, right? It's like, oh, there was, there was a place and a room that I had set apart for you, but I wouldn't force you into that was empty without you. And now you're back, you right? Go. And the kid's like, yeah, I'm back. And I'm excited. And you're like, 
I was able to be a part of that. And that's unbelievably amazing. Yeah. Awesome. yeah I mean, to watch that hug at that yes. moment is you're just like, whoa. Yes. That matters. That, ma- that has to matter. Yeah. We know it intrinsically that it matters. And so father would like, you guys are all about this as a community. And like, uh, how, how would you see the loss? Like, who are they? Mm. Mm. Yeah. It, you don't have to go too far in New York city. Yeah. You know, they're, um, sometimes it's, um, a lot of our neighbors are regulars. They live in uh, government housing right next to us. Um, a lot of them have material means. They're on social security. They have cell phones, and yet they have no contact with their family. Some struggle with mental illness, uh, drug <laughs> addiction, and um, and they're just kind of living. But they're not. Uh, they don't know who they belong to. Hmm. Um, and so, being able to, I live in a formation house where it's our it's our postulancy. The, the guys that were the first stage of formation, showing them and getting them accustomed to seeking out and praying with the poor and being comfortable yep. with relating to seeing them not as um yeah not not as someone to be afraid of the exterior uh mm-hmm. experience experience of smelling like urine or un, unshoveled and uh, the needles and the drugs and to be able to what's your name yeah, yeah. what's your name yeah mm-hmm. hey what's your story where are you from mm-hmm. uh how long you been here mm. what's uh what do you really desire Mm-hmm. What do you, what are your, and, and beautiful, their hearts open up, their yeah. hearts open up. Well, you know, so, I mean, your vineyard is the Bronx, but uh, so many of our listeners, their vineyard's probably a, a, a suburban neighborhood. And yeah. I, from the father's perspective, mm-hmm. there's probably just as many lost sheep in those neighborhoods mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. People who don't know who they are and they mm-hmm. don't know what their purpose in life mm-hmm. is. I love how sister Susan asked you, mm-hmm. do you know God's plan in your life? Mm-hmm. And if you don't know God's plan in your life, you're truly lost. Mm-hmm. Like, where are you mm-hmm. going? Like you have no direction. And if, if you don't have direction, mm-hmm. like you're, you are the definition of the lost one. And, yeah. but to see the lost not from like oh like to be able to help the those friars in formation to, to see from the father's perspective that these aren't like a problem over here or they're not drug addicts they are truly their children they're yeah. they're god's children who are are um are, are longing for his embrace and he yeah. more urgently is longing for their embrace i think even going back to the the parent analogy like when when you lose a kid as a parent you you kind of you're, you're kind of a little messed up for a while you yeah, know sure. like you freak out and uh not that i think the emotional turmoil that may go through a parent's heart <laughs> isn't the emotional turmoil that the god the father would experience <laughs> since, since he's god um but that that pain of uh, am I gonna? Am I gonna be able to hold this child again? Yeah. Like the the thief comes to steal, slaughter, and destroy, and the enemy has has taken God's children from His hands, from the yeah. garden, and and that the Father He has this hunger of like, man, am I gonna see their face again? Am I gonna hold mm-hmm. them again? Are they gonna spend eternity with me? That that hunger that the Father would have to be reunited. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. He is honored by the church as a saint and the first diocesan priest to be declared a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. John of Avila was known to his contemporaries as a spiritual master, and he served as a guide to some of the greatest saints of the 1500s, 
He also called for true reform in the church and was a role model for the priesthood even today. He died in 1569. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Every morning, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Yeah, and let's talk about the Father's heart for a minute in that as well, that like in the moment where the Father sees a son or daughter who is lost, the Father is no longer thinking about all the things that led to that son or daughter being lost. Mm. They're thinking about the status of here and now. And I think that would do us so well as church that when we look at the world and we see those who are lost, a lot of times we can think about all the things that led that person to the moment now of being lost. And those things need pastorally cared for over time. I'm not denying that. But what I am saying is if we can focus in that moment at the fact that they're lost, whether it's their fault, someone else's fault, a, a combination of a bunch of people's fault, no matter what, they're in this status of being lost and the father when his heart goes out to them, he sees them right where they're at and he sees a connection point, right? Yeah. Through his son, Jesus, through the gift of the spirit that we're called to carry. And so what, what we wanna be so well to do is to see that person who's lost, see them with the heart of the father, say, all of the things that got you here, those are so secondary because yep. you are here and I wanna bring you mm-hmm. here closer to the father, to the one who's looking for you, who hasn't taken his eye off of you and who wants you back. Dan, and I know this this orientation toward ministry is one that's, been really passionate for you for a long time. What, where did, where did that get kickstarted in your heart? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would say, hmm, I think the, the kickstart was probably, I went on a mission trip to Cranks Creek, uh, Kentucky. Um, and it was a, you know, just hanging out with the poor in, in the Appalachia area, realizing that, um, they had more joy, uh, than most people I knew and that they had, uh, joy because in every conversation they were talking about the goodness of God. And I think there was this hunger to, um, to, to actually, I just seen God's face in them and wanting to be with, with them. And I would say they weren't, they weren't necessarily, you know, I wouldn't classify them as the lost. They were just the poor. Right. And, uh, but then coming home from that mission trip, then finding my friends who over the next few months, for whatever reason, in our seventh grade class, um, we had a number of students, guys and girls that were cutting their wrists constantly and seeing my friend and another friend and another friend with scars on their wrists. And then Mm -hmm. hearing about one friend who wasn't at school because they OD'd on pills and they were in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And it was like, whoa, what is going on? And um, I think just that you know, going to my, my mom in desperation, like, mom, like what is going on with my friends? Like, why is everyone so hurt? And having seen Jesus and the joy that Jesus brings, then knowing the desperation that, you know, 12 year olds were in, there was something that triggered in me. Like, I want to live my life for the sake of others to bring them the joy of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think the, um, I think there's something also just really beautiful of like, 
if you love Jesus, you want to give him what he's asked for, you know? And I, mm. so I think that the, the fire has inflamed over the years, the more I've fallen in love with Jesus, because, um, I think it's his greatest desire is, mm-hmm. I mean, his entire purpose was salvation of souls. And so if I can enter into his ministry mm-hmm. and give him what he's asking for, like that's yeah. what, what greater joy is there? I love that? that differentiation you made between the poor and the lost mm-hmm. that, um, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. For they will see God. The, the poor and the lost aren't necessarily equatable, but there's things that both sides kind of show us um, in, in, like in the poor that they can actually be joyful and have abundance in the Lord, and those with everything can actually be lost and find themselves hidden behind all the possessions they have. But I wonder, Father, you're obviously engaging the poor often. Um, and also engaging the lost often. Mm-hmm. So I guess when you hear that differentiation, like what comes to mind and your experiences with the, the poor and then experiences with the oh, lost, yeah. not mutually exclusive or inclusive. But right, right, right. Yeah, they teach you. I'm just thinking one of our neighbors who's known us from the beginning, Stephen Barnes has been on our block for 30 years and uh, he's he was raised Baptist. He was uh, never, he's talked about openness to becoming Catholic. But he's gone to uh, some of our ministries, gone to Catholic Underground. He loves adoration. Every prayer now, he ends with a Hail Mary. Hmm. And he has this boldness in praying. Anytime he sees the brothers, any street corner, brother, let's have a word of prayer. Right there. <laughs> let's have a word of prayer. And when quiets the neighbors, quiet, everybody, quiet, we're praying, <laughs> quiet. And close his eyes, Lord God, you say a prayer. And then every prayer, Hail Mary, full of grace. <laughs> and then close. And every time he finishes and he looks up, wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that wonderful? Hmm. It's, it's like, <laughs> he's got it. He's, he's got, got it. it. <laughs> he's also an honest prayer warrior. There was a time where I dropped him off after Catholic Underground. We had a night of adoration and praise and worship and dropped him off. We had uh, some extra donations from benefactors for um, some Chinese food. And so I'm like, Stephen, would you like some of our food? Yeah, yeah, I'll take some here. Take some, I'll get some Chinese food. Any salads? I got, okay, take the salad. I see him the next day, same thing. I'm walking by, walking my car. Father Gabriel, yes. Can we we have a word of prayer? All right, all right. We start praying. He goes, he says, Father, we thank you for my friend, Father Gabriel, for that kind food he gave to me, even though that salad was awful. (laughs) 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 You start cracking. (laughs) No, indeed, indeed. It was was a nice gesture, but it was terrible. (laughs) In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hail Mary. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So how do you, you're in a formation house, so you, Mm -hmm. you, that's gotta be fun to watch these, like, guys come to the formation house for the first time in, in the Bronx, like, and the, like, what do you do, number one? How do you teach them to reach out to the lost? And then secondly, how do you help foster a heart for the lost mm-hmm. in them, right? Because I, I'm sure uh, even the best of them come with a little, like, this oriented towards, like, me, right? Like, there's this, uh, there's, like, mm-hmm. I, and so how do you help foster that hunger in them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the brothers provide such a beautiful example. It starts out real simple, just coming with us. Okay, mm-hmm. let's make some sandwiches. Let's get some coffee. And go out, and go out. Uh, we know some spots in the bridge. You can go to parks. Sometimes it's uh, we have a cafe in the friary, and it's it's so relational. It's so relational. And when they start getting that peace, okay, I don't have to worry about what I'm telling them or how I pray. Let's start with relationship. What's their name? What's their story? And building that over time, 
can we pray together? What's something you want to pray? Like everyone has a prayer intention. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's something you want to pray for today. Every time, the most beautiful intentions that come out. And then it's, when you start in your neighborhood, then they have a heart and eye for seeing them. The, the, when you come out of St. Patrick Cathedral and there's a guy with a, with a sign looking for money. Looking, okay, boom, they zoom in. You're on the subway. Yeah. Someone's asking for money. What's your name, brother? Who has asked them for their name? You know, yeah. the whole day. Who has stopped and given them some time? So it's been, um, it's beautiful to see the maturity of, as part of their, part of their healing is going out of themselves, is seeing the eyes with the eyes of the Father of, okay, mm-hmm. here's my brother in front of me. And it's, it's so Franciscan. Uh, St. Francis talks about in his testament, looking back on his conversion, the lepers were so important. What before, he says, uh, what before was bitter in, in body and soul became sweetness when I encountered them and I embraced them and I kissed mm-hmm. them. So it's like, this is the Franciscan process. You know, mm-hmm. what, be- what before is like, ah, how do I relate? How do I interact? This is uncomfortable. And then to see the relationship that's possible mm-hmm. in yeah. real life. It's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Was that something you had to learn in time? Yes. Or did, did you enter with that same heart and focus and desire? There, there was uh, there were some good experiences, uh, Catholic Worker House in college, some uh, Appalachian missions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had to let go of apologizing for myself. Mm. Like, oh, gosh, I come from a place of privilege. Oh, gosh, I can't share that part of myself. And then I realized, no, they just want me to be authentic. And share my story and share their story. So it um, mm-hmm. it became simpler and letting go of my own insecurities over time. Yep. And, and then just these beautiful encounters. Yeah, the poor teacher. So. That's amazing. I just think that e- even the way you sp- spoke Francis's words, that can be a declaration of prophecy for anyone who's hearing it is getting mm-hmm. stirred up. That, that Lord, if it's been bitter for you and hard and difficult for you, the Lord wants to make it sweet for mm-hmm. you. And that's that's a promise. That, that, that That's like when you receive the Father's heart, they become your children. And yeah. so you're not afraid to touch your child when mm-hmm. they're in the hospital bed hurting, yes. right? Like there's there's never a time where where it's hard to embrace your own child. And so to to have the Father's heart, like that's just that is the transformation he desires to bring us in the Holy Spirit. It is, yeah. I um as I've been listening, I was I was thinking about just the um the phrase that we keep using from Jesus that he came to seek and to save what was lost. And I, I had never kind of divided the two verbs that he's using there, right? That he, he came to seek the loss and to save the loss. And I wonder if there's a certain kind of loss that he's seeking and a certain kind of loss that he's saving. Because there's sometimes those who are lost in the shuffle of the world who when sought out teaches something about God we never would have known otherwise, right? Which both of you are speaking to. So when I, when I seek those who have found themselves lost in the world, so those in Appalachia or those on the street corners in the Bronx, they might know the Lord unlike anyone I've ever met. And when I seek them as the lost, there's actually a part of me that's lost that gets found again, yep. mm-hmm. right? Yep. But then there's another group that's actually lost from the fold of God who Jesus came to save, right? And oftentimes those people can be found right in the heart of being found in the world, but being lost in the family of God. Yep. And so it's just interesting to me that, that Jesus, because I've always just th- thought of that statement kind of redundantly. And again, I'm just externally processing as I'm thinking about it right now, but he came to seek and to save what was lost. I'm sure that's true with those who are lost from the family of God, but I'm wondering if we take those two verbs, those two actions of what Jesus is doing apart, and we think about this differentiation between the poor and the lost, that sometimes in the poor, they're as found as anyone we've ever met. They're just lost in the world. And sometimes the ones who are so involved in everything in the world or are as lost as anyone we've ever met. I was, I was thinking back to 
when Jesus, I, I don't know if it's the first time he says this in the gospel of Luke, but when he sees Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, like he, he has wealth in the world. Like, yes, yes. He's kind of like not, ex- <laughs> like he's not ex- super accepted by his people, but he's doing okay. Right. And, um, but he's hiding and Jesus finds him and he says, I came to seek and to save what was lost. And he, and he seeks out and Zacchaeus is like, I'll give back more, more than more what than I, I more than what I had. Yeah. And so there's something about like, well, was that generosity already in his heart? And when he was sought out, did that generosity come to the forefront? Mm. And did that save him by the fact that he was sought out? And like, just, just looking at that interplay anyway. Yeah. And I, I think that what you guys are speaking to, so many people can relate to that we've, we've met people who seem to have nothing, that have a widow's might, but they add something so valuable to us and help us find something yeah. in ourselves. And then we've, we've seen those who, who I think the Lord's developed my heart for that have so much available to them. But man, behind that, it's like, what, what satisfies you though? Yeah. And it's like, I'm I'm not sure if you've found mm. that yet. Yeah. I think even, uh, I mean, I, I see the fruit here in our missionary program too, that we'll, we'll have a lot of individuals who will apply for our full-time program who don't really yet have a great love or heart for the type of outreach that we do, right? That, mm-hmm. that there's not a, there's not a huge focus on youth ministry outreach, but as you say yes to mission, your heart is transformed and oriented toward the heart of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it, it all goes in cycles. Like if, if you're finding that, that you feel like there's maybe a, a lack of focus or a lack of proper orientation of heart, like all the better reason to say yes to mission, to engage yourself in a place where I know I'm going to be stretched, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be perfected mm-hmm. and brought, brought closer into relationship with the heart of Jesus so I can carry it as my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's That's that awesome. been like for you to see that transformation over the months and years to see? I think it's awesome. You know, the, uh, one of my one of my very favorite things to see every year, and I'm sure these guys can can affirm that, is that our our second year full time missionaries at the start of our at the start of our second mission year in in September October, it's like they're a completely different person from the awesome person that they came in as the year before. And there's just there's a certain maturity mm-hmm. and and a diversity of of scope and vision and kind of the the rough edges have worn off a little bit, and it, it all boils down to the fact like I. I was I was learning my I was learning what boundaries I could push in my in my first year here to to stake my own claim mm-hmm. and now I realize I'm a part of a community and my and my job truly is to is to invite others in. Uh it's just it's awesome. There's a death to self, you know, like they yeah. they they died and you almost just see them living Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. that there's yeah, it's just beautiful to see that the transformation that I am I am now missionary. Like their their mindset has removed from mm-hmm. interior to exterior that I'm looking outward at all times. Which mm-hmm. is, and it's hard to do that, I think, in the the speed of life, right? That like because so often in life you That's you have good, to like go word. inward, inward, inward just to mm-hmm. survive, right? Yeah. Like especially in the young adult years, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I studying? Mm-hmm. Am I are my grades good enough? Like what's what's your plan for your future? What's your career? Like all mm-hmm. of this, and there's all this inward looking that like you have to take this time or reposition even if you're mm-hmm. not a full-time mm-hmm. missionary at Damascus mm-hmm. daily reposition yourself as a full-time missionary wherever God's put you yeah. so that you wake up and clothe yourself with Christ and his eyes are always outward you're listening to Beyond Damascus the show where encounter meets mission Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio you can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com/radio/podcasts or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app we'll be right back with this episode after a short break
EWTN, teaching the truth. When it comes to the Catholic side of my life, both the radio and the television programming from EWTN and other free sources run throughout my day, and I've got my house all wired up, so I'm constantly hearing Catholic radio all throughout the house, and then EWTN on that. When I found this app, discovered all these other wonderful programs, I listen to this app all the time. By providing quality programming faithful to the teachings of the Catholic Church, EWTN is television that viewers can trust. Whether it's films, documentaries, news coverage, lively discussion shows, or kids' programs, we highlight the truth that is the eternal word. For a complete schedule of EWTN television programs, visit EWTN.com and click TV. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. But I'm just wondering, where's ministry easier or where do you see Holy Spirit moving more when you're on the streets in the Bronx um, or when you're at a random Catholic high school somewhere Hmm. in suburban America? I don't get to too too many high schools. Uh, the um, the gift of of the poor they're so real. Mm-hmm. They're so real, and it's a great uh, authentic place to engage. And sometimes the um, for the youth or the young that you have to dig a little bit. You yeah. gotta you know it takes a little warming up too. And um, both are invitations to fatherhood. Yes, you know both are invitations to to accompany and walk with uh, with the poor. Sometimes it can take you know a little bit longer. Yeah, a little bit longer, but um, it's uh, yeah, it's totally worth it. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a really good point. It takes longer with the poor, but maybe harder to break into the 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 non poor right this mm-hmm. event and the uh, I'm just if you are like oh shoot I really want mission that doesn't mean you have to move to the Bronx to get mission right that that there the actually like wherever you're planted there is a deep need mm-hmm. and and exactly the way you form your brothers that like it starts with a relationship and mm-hmm. so wherever you are there's a deep deep need for mission and it always starts with a relationship and mm-hmm. and I think sometimes the there's like you said, there's an authenticity and an openness with the poor where they're just like, mm-hmm. I love doing street evangelization because it's like everyone wants to talk when you're on yes. the like streets on the West mm-hmm. side or at a gas station. Mm-hmm. And not only do they want to talk, they want to be prayed with you know, whenever yeah, you're yes. like, though sometimes I'll be like, Hey, do you have a prayer intention? And they're like, Oh, you want to pray? And they'll wrap my, their arm around you. And they're <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, ready yeah. to go all of a sudden they're laying hands on me. I'm like, what do you do? Like, and so like, it's just like, cause they're so mm-hmm. there's that openness. Whereas like, if I like try to like ask a, a coworker or something, Sometimes in a secular environment, do you want to pray? It's probably awkward. How, how many so, coworkers have you had I in a secular never environment? Actually, last, last time I worked in the secular world, I was 18. So, <laughs> so it's been Bob a minute. Evans, <laughs> although I did try to evangelize Bob Evans' kid, like uh, waitresses and waiters and cooks. I believe that. It was it was an adventure. Just let the sweet tea convert them. That's yeah. what will happen at Bob yeah. Evans. Endless but, hot chocolate. Um, I know, yeah. bottomless. But it is so good. I almost lost my job. They were like, uh, you, can't, you can't wear your cross on the outside of your clothes. I said, I can't hide the cross. <laughs> the manager's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, you're asking me to put the cross away. I refuse to do that. Uh, and he's like, oh, well, uh, okay, I guess you can keep it out then. Hey, there you go. Good work, Dan. Um, good job, 18-year-old Dan. I think um, one thing you were talking about there, Dan, and I think uh, 
it, it's well to say that, that yeah, that that mission that Jesus is calling us to is available in every season of our life, wherever we're planted. That Nina and I, um, my wife and I, Father, we just um, moved into a suburb um, north of Columbus. And as we're, we're moving into this neighborhood, one thing I'm recognizing in myself and something I mentioned to Nina is I, I want to spend more time on the front porch than the back porch. That like we have a front porch and there's kids and families that walk around our community all of the time. But everyone in our community has an amazing back patio, right? Like an amazing backyard. And we have a, a lovely back patio. And, and I love spending time on that with Nina and there's a place for that. But I want to spend more time on the front porch than I do on the back patio, simply because there's this orientation outward that actually engages people where they're at. Because what I what I noticed is e- even in like a couple of weeks of living there, I would like walk into the garage door and close it right behind yeah, me. And no it's like, one, no it, it's, it's like a glorified bed and breakfast. And it's like, no, no, no. I like, there's something about being together. There's something about like investing here. There's something about pouring into one another that's important. And so, yeah, just wherever you're at, I, I would encourage anyone listening, like, yeah, we might be talking about the poor today. We might be talking about the loss that you think might have to be found somewhere where they're outright rejecting God openly and evangelizing towards atheism or something. Rather, the lost can be found literally on the In sidewalk, walking around walking your neighborhood. Dog. I guess for, for the typical demographic who's listening to our show, like it, it's important probably for us to do both. And and maybe sure. I'll, I'll, I'll toss that in there that there have been, uh, you know, my, my orientation in ministry these days doesn't get me out on the street often. Yeah. But what I found is that it's critical that I actively pursue opportunity to put myself in those places of discomfort so that I can continue to stretch that muscle, yeah, that's good. right? And, mm-hmm. and, and continue to put myself in a place where I'm like, okay, um, not only do I need exposure, not only do I need insight, but there's a part of me that, that was made for a particular mission. And if I never put myself there, then I'm, I'm worse off and, and there's a, a need that goes unserved. And then the second piece though, too, is, you know, as we've been talking about here at the conference the last, the last few days, we are truly in a time of transition in our nation where if we're speaking about lost in terms of ease of access or intimacy in relationship with Jesus, like the, the, the tide is turning to the point where our suburban neighborhoods are very soon going to be a, a place of lost individuals who mm-hmm. simply have not, have not uh, entered into serious dialogue of introduction to the gospel. We need to be on mission both in our place of, yeah. of, of comfort, mm-hmm. um, but also, yeah, I mean, seek out opportunity. I'm mm-hmm. thinking here in, here in Columbus, whether it's, yeah. whether it's that mission trip in the, in the Appalachian Mountains or mm-hmm. whether... Whether it's meeting up with an urban outreach like uh, like urban encounter, urban encounter, thank you. Or, or it's which gas station do you go to, right? Like the <clears throat> we were driving home from ballet one night, and my 13 year old daughter she says, "Dad, why do you always drive through the scary neighborhood instead of taking the freeway?" And yeah. I was like, "Sophia, because the scary neighborhood is so beautiful, right? That <laughs> I love to see the broken windows. I love to see the boarded mm-hmm. up homes. I love to see the people on the streets because it gives me the sensitivity of the heart. And so mm-hmm. yeah. when I'm not with Sophia, right, I, I take those same streets. I stop at those same gas stations and those are the people you relate with. So your windows are down and you're able mm. to talk to them and talk, and get to know the homeless person's name, mm-hmm. right? And you're able to stop at that ga- gas 
gas station and have conversation yeah. with the people there so that they're not That's scary sweet. and they're not. And it's so easy to just, okay, this is the nicer, like, and we yeah. do it, right? Like there's two different gas stations. There's the nice one. And then there's the, the not so nice one. And we always choose the nice one as opposed to gas is going to be the same price of both. They're both like $9 a gallon. So just go, <laughs> go to the one that push, puts you. Depends when the show airs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but no, I, I hear that. I, I do. I, I think that's a, that's a point well taken, Aaron, because I think it's actually in stretching ourselves in in ways like what the CFRs are doing, right? Like that's what permits us who find ourselves in the laity living in a suburban neighborhood to always be outward facing. If I never stretch that muscle, then I'll, I'll slowly get comfortable into the place of complacency. It's only when I go out and kind of stretch that, that I'm then like, well, am I having that disposition all the time? No. Well, I could implement that into my daily life. Yep. It's actually those unique circumstances that bring us back into the ordinary circumstances. Yeah, got, uh, yeah, one of the popular phrases I always use in ministry is, well, you can't you can't pray without ceasing or you can't pray at all times mm-hmm. if you don't pray at some times, mm-hmm. right? And you can't you can't be intentional about mission at all times if you're not intentional about mission at, at specific, specific times. times. Yeah. And so there, de- there, there are times where you have to be specific to condition yourself to be intentional mm-hmm. all the time. And okay, before we close, I think it's really important to talk about something, um, perseverance. And so, mm-hmm. Father, you're ministering to people and the same people in, in your neighborhood. And, mm-hmm. uh, and when, when someone is... In in poverty or when someone's in addiction, it's really hard for them to break out of that and have a transformed, renewed lifestyle. So how do you guys minister to people and persevere and like, man, we've been loving this guy for like five years, 10 years, and it's still the same guy on the same corner and living the same life. And how do you persevere in that? Yeah, I take courage in uh, St. Paul's words, you know, one waters, another another sows. Uh, I might not see the fruit. I might not see the fruit, but God has my part to play in those relationships and can I be one part in his journey to the Lord? Can through his, their encounter with the brothers, through their encounter of uh, Brother Colby's kindness and giving him, I see so many miraculous medals in our neighborhood. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. incredible. <laughs> and there's Brother Colby who hand, you know, ties the knots and gives out these medals and gives out these rosaries and all over our neighborhood, all over our neighborhood. Will they become Catholic? Maybe not. But will have they experienced an encounter and a relationship with Jesus that they, they and even a home that they can go to and know when the time is right? I think so. I think so. So um, Stephen, Stephen still, he has the last year, he had, uh, he needs liver transplant. So he's asked, I think I'm gonna become Catholic. You know, he's, he's asked that. Wow. So wow. we're, it's, yeah. it's taken a while, but he's yeah. open. So yeah. the, you know, that's, it's not, it's not ours for to, to know the fruit, to see mm-hmm. the fruit always, but um we have our part. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I always pray for a person's the, the yeah that that death that death second. You know, like what's going to happen in that mm-hmm. moment, mm-hmm. and did all of that watering and all of that sowing of the seed. Like what takes place in that death moment, right? And if if they if like in that surrender uh, into the arms of the Lord, His mercy um, it just covers them, and it just it, it fills me with so much hope that mm. I don't I don't have to worry about anything because if I do my part, like the Lord is going to show up with mercy and grace mm-hmm. in that moment. And all that tilling of the soil has prepared that soul to receive that mm-hmm. mercy and grace in that moment. And then it'll be great because you'll see them in heaven. And yes. when you get there, they're going to be like, hey, I'm here because of you. And in heaven, yes. everyone's Catholic, right? Because <laughs> the church is fulfilled. And so uh, so it, it, it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Brad? Like, what's your perseverance plan? Yeah. So I, I, I love Romans 5. And as soon as someone brings up perseverance, I always go there, right? 
right? That, that like, we all have these afflictions in our life, like the, these aff- afflictions of life that happen to us. Um, but also afflictions of our heart for like the life we see, like, like, I mean, I'm, I'm afflicted with this, this pain for like people that I want to know the Lord, right? These afflictions and, um, St. Paul's so good to instruct us that, um, we can even boast of such afflictions, right? Knowing that affliction produces what endurance, right? So I have to endure through afflictions and through misunderstandings and through the wrestles of my day-to-day life. When I do that, I gain this endurance that allows me to work on my virtue and my character. Cause that's what he says next, right? Endurance produces proven character and then proven character, what hope and hope does not disappoint. Um, and like within all, all of like all of these things, we see that um, Paul's pointing us unto um, just perseverance. That like if we can stay in, yeah. if we can stay in our day to day life, the things that we're struggling with, the things we're having great success with, that like that that perseverance through that will allow us to endure, which will allow us to develop a character that makes us look more like Jesus. And from that proven character, it'll give us hope. And that's kind of like mm. what I what I set my anchor in is that I, I have so much hope that Jesus actually will be victorious in every person's life. And so I, I'm just hold on to that hope that I'm going to go into this scenario and I'm going to be the best possible representation of Jesus that Brad can muster up at this time. And Lord, I have hope that you're going to work through that yeah. and you're going to work in that to bring this person to yourself. And I, and I, I don't know, there's something about hope that when we can actually take grasp of that. And again, Romans five, it gives us the recipe to find hope. And if we can hold on to that hope, we can persevere. Yeah. Dan, you and I, in our, in our early years in youth ministry, we always used to talk about how it's, it's not so much that there was a particular gift that, that, separated us apart or that set us up for success, but it was just that commitment to keep saying yes and keep showing up every time. We just, we, we kept showing up every, yeah. every summer and every Sunday. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's, that's a real mark that, that mm-hmm. if, if you're wondering, okay, how do I, how do I create a ministry? Do I have to enter the CFRs to minister to the poor? No. What's, What's the answer to successful ministry? Never give up. Never, Never give up. Give up. Yeah. Show up every yeah. day. Yeah. Show up every day. Yeah. And it's it's the I have one of my new favorite quotes is the secret to missionary yeah. work is work, right? And I just I love that because <laughs> it's not easy. And so like let's like like it's the Lord says I want you to labor in my vineyard with Amen. me. Yeah. And so yeah. there like it takes it takes effort. And mm-hmm. so not giving up, showing up day after day. And I think that's um if I I want us to close in prayer, but I think the, to brag on us, not in a in a cocky way, but in a, a way that brags on God. We, I think we have four people at this table who our lives are fully dedicated to the proclamation of the gospel and the advancement of the kingdom, right? Night and day, year after year after year, surrendered to the Lord. And I know, Aaron, you're not going anywhere, right? Brad, I know you're not going anywhere. Father, I know you're not going anywhere, right? And these are lives that are surrendered for the rest of our lives yeah. mm-hmm. to pour out for the gospel. And mm-hmm. I wonder, especially any young people or, or any people young in faith that are hungry for a lifestyle of mission that is not ending, that I am going to persevere till the last day of my days. If we could pray uh, for that fire of mission to stir up in, in the listeners, and if we could pray for fire of mission to 
persevere mm-hmm. in their lives. Father, since you're the priest, I guess your prayers are. Can I just bless? Yeah. Let's just look at the blessing on air. Does that work? I think yeah. that works. Yeah, yeah. works. All right. Lord God, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to be poured Ooh. upon us and upon all our listeners that the fire with which you enkindled your son uh, may burn within us. However small that it may continue to grow through the breath of the Holy Spirit, continue to enkindle us, desire in the heart of the Father to pursue and to seek out and to save those who are lost. And we just pray for those in our own family members, our communities and friendships, that uh, we just have eyes to see what you see and Mm -hmm. to pursue how you pursue, how you pursued us. And so I just ask you, Lord, your abundant blessing upon all those present, those who are listening. May Almighty God bless you and keep you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app.